We're going to Luke chapter 10 as the basis of our reading. I have so much, I, I, I want to maybe, I maybe have to just do it another, two, another week, God willing, after this, but we'll see. We'll see how we get on this evening. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 17, please. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Let's pray again. Father, we now ask you that you would take your word and inscribe it on our hearts and help your people to see, Lord, our identity in Christ. Help every one of us to behold the wonders of our God. And Father, we ask you, Lord, tonight as your word goes forth again, Lord, that we would be enlightened and awakened, quickened unto what you'd have to say to us. And we would ask you, Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, that, Lord, that you would enable me with clay lips to be able to preach these unsearchable riches of Christ. And, O oh God, we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to do all things decently and in order to the glory of thy name. Now, Lord, we bind every distracting thought. We bind every opposing spirit, every demonic force or influence that may try to infiltrate in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, may it be bound that the Word of God would have free course in every heart and life to glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus. For his name's sake we pray and ask it. Amen. <clears throat> We started with Satan as a defeated foe, and this evening is really called the fall of Satan, for that's what we're going to be looking at. And our reading in Luke 10, verse 17, notice here, it says, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And you know, here they come after being sent forth, realizing that there's power in the name of Jesus. That even on the pre-side of the cross, not where we are post-cross, these disciples realized that the power of Jesus' name was quite an authority to be carried with every believer. That when he sent them forth, that the word of God would go forth in power and with authority. This is even before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. You see, the word of God has authority in spite of you and I, and not because of you and I. Here the seventy go out and they come rejoicing. They're delighted that even the devils were subject unto them, uh, that they were able to heal the sick and they were able to cast out demons. They preached the kingdom of God. They preached the kingdom of salvation, that is salvation through Christ alone. And these devils were being cast out of people. And the devils were leaving towns. Oh, everywhere they went, they brought light in the cosmos. Remember last week, the world in which we live, this floating mass system of things that we're under on planet Earth. And they were able to overcome it. They were able to have the Nikaio. Remember the word overcome is Nikaio, where we get the word Nike from, from your training gear uh, with the little tick 
It means victory. They had the victory in Jesus' name. They had the victory because they're sent forth for the glory of God. They had the victory for what Christ had sent them to do. And so we're told here, first of all, that they come and says that they, the 70 returned again with joy. Here they have excitement. Excitement. You see, serving God is full of excitement. It's full of dangers, and it's full of heartaches, but it's full of excitement. Especially when you realize who you are in God and the very uh, opposing spirits and demonic forces that are against you are now and subject to you because of what Christ has done and because of the power of his name. So they come with excitement, and then by the time we get to verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. This is, this is relative not to real serpents, as it were, and scorpions, where we have snake wranglers and so on today to prove that fact, but really he's talking about demonic forces and that which would come against the Word of God. And over all the power of the enemy, notice all the power, all the might, all the authority of the enemy, he says, You have that authority now over him. And he says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notice they come in verse 17 with excitement. They're endued in verse 19. Their endowment is in verse 19. Jesus says, you have the power over all the power of the enemy. So here's their excitement. Here's their endowment. And then in verse 20, we have their entitlement. Their entitlement notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. There's their entitlement that God knows their name, that before the word was formed, their name was written in heaven. Their name wasn't written just at this point, you know. There's a new name written down in glory, as everyone, a lot of people like to sing, and it's a, a wonderful song. It's not a new name written in glory. The name was already written in glory. God already knew the name in glory. It was just ticked off when they came into salvation. Here is the entitlement then. Their excitement, their endowment. Now their entitlement is this, that God has their names written in the book of life, that they now have the endowment of, of the Spirit and the authority of the Word, and so they are to go with excitement to see what God will do in their life. So we see here that the disciples are coming rejoicing. Then they are given endowment and that is their entitlement. So what we want to look at is because they come to the Lord, he says in verse 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Do you ever wonder when you see the rock bonds? There's not too many of them now, especially in the 70s, in the 80s with the, the lightning boats. This is what this is meant to be. This is where this comes from. Like, uh, used to get the kiss, you know, the, the S's were like two lightning bolts coming down. This is in reference to this. And so whenever we look at this, Jesus was saying, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. We have to then think of as, when did you behold him fall from heaven, Jesus? Where were you and when was it that you beheld him fall, beheld or were beholding when he fell from heaven? Well, you see, the, the main thrust of this is, of course, Jesus was born in Bethlehem as a man, but as God, he was already there. He was the Word of God. The Word was with the Father. He was God. He is God. And so in eternity, he's seen Satan cast out of heaven. 
But there's another meaning here that opens up in the text that, it, that many scholars would be very uh, forthright in, in saying their evidence is for. And it's what I spoke of this morning to you. It's called the law of association. The law of association. So I want to look at that for the next few moments, for it might help you. It might help you in your own walk, what you're praying and how you're acting, how you're praying about things and what you're praying for, how you're believing, how you're walking in faith. Now, I notice this. Here the law of association is that Jesus is connecting what's known as a part, a P-A-R-T, with the whole, the W-H-O-L-E, a part with the whole. Jesus raises their minds from the particular, that is, what they accomplished when they went forth. This, the demons, it says, they're subject to us through thy name. And Jesus is going, yes, I know that, and that's good. That's the particular, but the whole is this. The whole is what has already happened before that. The whole is what has happened in heaven, and he tells us, I beheld Satan fall as lightning. Here's what Jesus is saying, and we'll go into it a little more in a moment. What you're experiencing now, I have always already known, because I am the God of heaven. He had already been defeated. It's just the disciples had not realized it nor been endured against it before. And so it's taking it, it's called the law of association. And this isn't even the greatest part of it. For the Lord himself, he says to them in verse 20, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And why Jesus is saying that, he's saying, look, the greater miracle isn't that you can cast out a devil. That's not the greater miracle. The greater miracle was that the God in heaven who is holy would come down in the person of his son and die for a wretch like you. <laughs> now he says you can rejoice. Now you can rejoice. That's the greater. That the God of heaven knew you that the God of heaven seen you in your sin, that the God of heaven would come into a body of flesh, that he would walk this scene of time upon this earth, in this cosmos, a mass of floating things of man's abilities and his sinning, and that he would die on a cross for you, shed his precious blood for you, that you might be forgiven, that you might be saved, that you might enter his kingdom, that you would be raised in the day when he returns should you die in Christ. That's the greater miracle. That's the thing, brother, and the thing, sister, that you and I should rejoice in. Rejoice that you're saved. Rejoice that you're born again. Rejoice that you're blood-washed, that you're blood-bought. Rejoice he's given you the endowment of his Holy Spirit. Now, in this cosmos, the world, not the earth, the planet now, in this world, this mass of floating ideologies and things that we live in, this fallen world, he says, now he says, I've given you the endowment to do what I have done. That's the law of association, bringing the whole to the part, the heaven to the earth. So, let's just look for a few moments at this law of association. Let me give you another example. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. We all know this. People call it the Lord's Prayer. Really, it's our, the Lord's 
Um, you can call it the Lord's Prayer, but, but really the, the Lord's Prayer would be the high priestly prayer of John chapter 17. But here, the Lord's Prayer for want of another word, or the model prayer, as some people call it, the model prayer. The Lord says this in Matthew 6 and verse 10. Praying, he cries to his Father in heaven, Thy will be done. Where? In earth. As it is. Where? In heaven. Thy will be done in earth. Where? As it is in heaven. Now, heaven is coming to earth at Christ's return. This is the prayer for Christ's return to come, to set up his kingdom, his glorious kingdom, his majestic, his marvelous kingdom, the rule and reign over the house of Jacob, from the throne of David forever and ever. But notice this. Jesus prays, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Earth, this planet, the world is the system of things mainly. It's called this system of things. The planet is the third rock from the sun, the material planet that he speaks of here. On this earth, terra firma, the earth is the third rock from the sun with its fallen humanity and its total depravity is to come into conformity to the will of God and how? through the Word of God. My brothers and sisters, we need you to try and catch this because this is important for you as a Christian. This is important for you and I as believers in CET. For wherever you're watching, this is important for us as blood-washed, born-again, spiritual believers to hear what Jesus is saying here, that on this earth we are fallen humanity, who were in total depravity, now were to come into the conformity to the will of God through the Word of God. The authority of God's Word should live in every heart of every believer. The authority of the Word, even if we don't like it, should live in the heart of the believer. Even if we feel like rebelling against it, we wrestle with God over it, the Word of God should be in every heart. The Word of God wrestled with Jacob. And the Word of God wrestled with Jacob all night. It was the Word, the Logos, the Theophany of the Almighty, wrestled with him unto daybreak. He says, tell me thy name. He says, why do you ask after my name? Who was it? It was Jesus he was wrestling with. The Lord Jesus Christ. Wrestling with the Word, it's easier to give in than to walk with a limp. It's easier to give into the word than to walk with a limp. Notice here, we are in a world that is a fallen humanity in total depravity. That means it cannot save itself by any means or method. Cannot save itself. And we're to come into conformity to the will of God through the word of God. The whole earth. Listen, Psalm 72, verse 19. Blessed be his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. The whole earth. This is the earth in which we live. One day Christ will return and the earth will be filled with his glory. Even his glory will be filling the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. We're going to not know all those things that we know of sicknesses and illnesses and death and destruction 
and hate and bitterness and malice and envyings and fightings and jealousies and all those things, death and destruction and separation from loved ones, for when he returns, all of it will leave planet Earth. He will set up his glory. He will set up his glory. But only those who are saved, only those who have been to the cross of Calvary, it doesn't say only the Protestant or only the Catholic. It doesn't say any other religion. Those who are in Christ, those who are the saved of God, will enter into his kingdom. Listen to Luke and Luke's account of our Lord praying. Luke chapter 11 and verse 2. He cries, thy kingdom come. He records Christ. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. I love that. It's just like that, Lord. Jesus is praying, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so on the earth. And Christ goes out with that power and that authority of heaven, of His Father, and He heals the sick, and He raises the dead, and He casts out the devil, and He preaches the gospel of the kingdom, and He prophesies in it, and He does all of this. All of this. Now, what has that got to do with us? That's what's called the law of association. We are the part. That is the whole. We want the whole to swallow up the part. The whole of heaven to come to earth. But now, until Christ returns, you and I as the church, his body, we now are taking up the mantle to say, Lord, we are going forth. Our names are written in heaven. We have had our endowment of the Holy Spirit. And we're going forth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ before because Satan is already a defeated foe. Yes, he may attack. Yes, he may try to bind people. But the blood-washed, born-again believer needs to really listen to this. Satan is a defeated foe in your life. He's defeated. He is defeated. The law of association is connecting a part with the whole, as I said, the earth to heaven. And the rule and reign of Christ in our lives, that when he returns, it will be the rule and reign of Christ upon the earth. In this earth now we speak of. In this earth, under this whole system. Listen, in this earth, which is a, it's a, a global prison. I want you to think about this. As I mused over this, this is what I had written. What is the earth that we live in? That Christ must enter this earth in the form of a man, that he must be through the birth canal of, the, of, a, of a virgin's womb, that he must live a life and grow up as a man and go to the cross to die. What is this earth? This earth is a global prison house. It is a slave market for sinners. This earth, in complete spiritual darkness, with the holding cells of solitary confinement called the grave when we die. The earth with the surrounding shroud of the cosmos or the world system of things. This earth with its own prince, its own jailer, as Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 calls it, he who had the power of death, that is the devil, who is called in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, the prince of the power of the air. 
who is also called in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the God, small g, the God of this world, who binds the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Devil blinding men and women tonight, blinding them to behold Christ, who alone can save them. Notice the law of association is to associate, to connect this part of the earth with the whole of heaven. As in heaven, so on earth. So Jesus says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Listen to what Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown says. I think this is tremendous. When I seen this, I stood up. I have a, a leather wordy chair, and I pushed it back, and I stood up, and I praised God. They put it so wonderful here. They wrote this in their commentary, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. They wrote, this is in the imperfect tense in the original. It means it continues, okay? I, 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 I quote them. I was reading, I was beholding Satan as lightning falling from heaven. That is, I followed you on your mission and watched its triumphs, Jesus was saying. Now catch this. Jesus is saying to the 70 who come back with excitement and joy that the devils were subject unto them through his name. I beheld Satan as lightning. Well, Lord, in eternity, yes. But listen, this is the law of association working here. He says, yes, of course. But it also means as you went forward and you acted in my name and in the authority and this, Satan started to fall. He says, whether or not it's whether he has... He was, because he's God, he's able to know, I don't know, but he was able to go with them in the spirit to see how the devils were cast out. He's seen those going in his name, his disciples and praying for the sick and them being raised from their sick beds. He's seen them casting out evil spirits as they went from town to town. He heard them preach the name of Jesus and he heard them preach the kingdom of God and he saw them being raised up again. And Jesus says, I beheld Satan, but there's the whole. It's already happened. On behalf of this, it means, because he's God, he knows already that Satan is a defeated foe. He sends them forth. They lay hold of this truth and they start to see the sick raised. They start to see the sick heal. They start to see the demonic forces flee. They start to see evil spirits being cast out of men, out of women, and out of boys, and out of girls. And they start to preach with thunder the very name of Christ and the power and the authority of his name. And Satan is trembling and fleeing everywhere the 70 went. Everywhere they went. Yet Jesus, one man standing there, says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. It gives the idea it's already happened, but my mind, my eyes saw you as you went forward, and I saw his kingdom falling on this earth because of you through my name. Can you catch that? Church, can you catch it? That every time you go to pray in the name of Jesus, every time you believe that that devil is a defeated foe, Every time you go to pray, you believe in Christ for better. 
because he's already under his feet. Jesus is watching, and he says, I'm seeing his kingdom fall under you. Under you, church. That's the idea of it. Now, that's the law of association. Christ is associating what he's already done in glory to what was happening on the earth through his disciples. Here's the law of association and salvation. Your name was already written in heaven, and he's just saying you come in and your name's ticked off when you get saved. Can you see it? Can you see it? I followed you on your mission and watched its triumphs. While you were wondering at the subjection to you of the devils in my name, a grander spectacle was opening to my view. Sudden as a darting of lightning from heaven to earth, lo, Satan was beheld falling from heaven. That's what they write about this. Jesus was saying in his mind, he already knew, here's Satan falling. Now you need to realize Satan is a defeated foe. Go out and cast him out. Take authority. Take charge. Be an overcomer. Be victorious in the name of Jesus. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his healing of his cleansing power revealing. I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? See, church, that's the heart Christ wants you to have. The victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. The devil hath no claim on you, no power over you, no authority in you. You belong to Christ. That's what the church needs to grasp hold of and to understand in all of its fullness, including me, all of us at all times. So, he says this, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Power over demons is intoxicating. I'm not plagiarizing this. I wrote this myself. Power over demons is not intoxicating, but the joy of salvation is exhilarating. The main thrust of this is not so much as the power and authority of the believer, what they have, 
but more so the power and the authority that has the believer. <laughs> it's not the power and authority that you have. It's the power and authority who has the believer. Sometimes we would sing, you know, oh, I'm hanging on to Jesus and holding on tight and all that sort of stuff, you know. I'll never let you go. And that's okay. Look, I'm not trying to be nitpicky or I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not trying to be argumentative of it, but that's not true. We let go of him many times in our lives and throughout our lives. He never lets us go. Never. So it's the power and authority who has you is what matters. So Jesus came to be that example to equip and to, to empower us, but also obviously, first of all, to save us to the glory of his Father. He came to show us that Satan was and is a defeated foe. And what did he do? He crushed the serpent's head at Calvary. Crushed him. Oh, the word is bruised. That means he crushed his head. Securing our salvation. Paying the debt of our sins. That he was releasing us as prisoners. And gathering us in as members of his body. Can I ask you something tonight? Are you still a prisoner or are you a member? Are you a prisoner to sin and Satan? Or are you a member of the body of Christ? Big difference. I'm a member of such and such a church and such and such a denomination. Very good. If that's all you are, you'll still go to hell. That's the truth. But if you're a member of the body of Christ, because you've been born again. Born again. Let me look briefly at some of these falls. You see, Christ gathers us in as members of his body, and he pours out his spirit to empower us, that we may do also what he hath done. We're his body. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 28. I don't know if I'll get finished in this tonight, but we'll see how far we get. Ezekiel chapter 28, and let's start reading just from verse 11, please. You have to understand, now, when we're reading these, they're actually men the Lord is addressing through the prophet. But because of what they are, he can see through it, through the, through the humanity, to the controlling spirit behind uh, these people. For example, this is the king of Tyre. He was a demonic worshiper. He was an evil man. They actually got to the point where they said, we're self-sufficient and need nothing. We're God on earth. And that's satanic. And God speaks to the devil in him. You'll see that happens today, not only throughout people, but throughout governments and many leaders. Notice this, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, notice the terminology in the language here. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Very precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold, and the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee, 
in the day that thou wast created. Notice, he is created. He is not God. He's not eternal. Notice here the, the definition of him. Now notice whom he is. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God and hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created until iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defied thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore I will bring forth a fire from the, from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. And all they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee, and thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Notice this. This one was found in Eden, the garden of God. Now called the anointed cherub twice in this reading that covereth. So notice this angelic being here is behind the king of Taras and his wickedness. He's full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. In verse 12. In verse 13, every precious stone was thy covering. He had tablets or like, and pipes. The idea is here that he was the covering of the glory of God, and that covering was a reflective glory because he would consume the created angels. So God created him specially to be able to stand in his presence. The tablets and the pipes, many say that the angels, as they worshipped him, the very music, as it were, the, the singing, the, the worship of heaven came through the pipes, it's believed. And of course, this would have filled heaven. And so he was, if you want, the worship leader of heaven. Then it comes to verse 14. He's called the anointed cherub that covereth. Notice where he is on the holy mountain of God, and he walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Now, some people think, well, the stones of fire, and he walks up and down upon them. It doesn't say upon them, but in the midst of them. Notice that, in the midst. Now, it is replicated in Babylonian and, and in uh, ancient worship where they would have worshipped other gods walking upon stones of fire on the ground. That's not what God is saying here. He walked among them. The stones of fire. It is believed the stones of fire are likened unto the seraphim. And Isaiah chapter 6, where they have six wings, with twain they cover their face, with twain they cover their feet, and with twain or two they do fly. And one cries unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the word seraph means flickering flame like a fire. These seraphims are like flickering flames with wings, created beings before God. So it's believed that maybe that this ancient cherub, who was uh, the glory covering, who was filled with all of these, as it were, precious stones, that he has this anointed elevator position. He walked amidst all of this glory with the flaming stones. Some people believe were the actual the seraphims. He walked among them, you see, not upon them. 
So now he's walking among them. Notice this. In verse 12, he's full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now this is important for the word perfect here is the word kalil and it means entirely whole. In other words, what God had done and created in him was perfect. Perfect. God does all things well and he made him perfect. Then when we get to verse 15, it says of him, Thou wast perfect in thy ways. Notice he's perfect in beauty in verse 12. Now he's perfect in his ways. But the word changes here to a word tamin for perfect. And it means he was upright, he was unimpaired, he was without spot. So putting these perfects together, perfect in beauty and perfect in your ways, it gives the idea he was in a place of glory, he stood in a position of importance, he was beautifully created, and that which God had done in him was completely perfect, and he was upright in every way before God. That's the idea of this being. Now he is covering the covering of God. This is replicated on the Ark of the Covenant with the two covering angels touching wing to wing on the Ark of the Covenant for the glory of the Lord to come down. But notice this. The Lord says that he walked in a position in heaven. It's called God's holy mountain among the stones of fire. And as he walked, he served in every way blameless. Notice Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 15. From that day that thou wast created. Notice the devil is not eternal. Here he's actually called Lucifer. And he falls and he becomes known as Satan. The devil is not almighty. He is not almighty. There's only one almighty. If there's more than one almighty, then one almighty on almighty himself because he's not, on, he's not almighty. There only can't be one almighty. God is almighty. He creates this being. Now I notice this. He says, from that day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee, God gave them free will. God gave the angels in heaven free will till iniquity was found in thee. The word iniquity is evil and it means an act of wickedness. And the word found does mean to say that God searched them out so much that he was to pull iniquity out because God made them perfect. The idea was that because of his heart and his position, he allowed himself to think that he was just going to do what he wanted. And it means found, it's the same word where in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, I think it is. Forgive me, it might be a verse out there. It says, And Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. The word found, it wasn't that Noah went looking for God. Not at all. That's not what it means. And he found grace that God was so good, so he decided to serve him. He decided to choose him. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. The idea here is that grace appeared unto him. Suddenly he saw the grace of God. It manifested before him. Noah found it in the sense that it found him. The same is here that 
this angelic creature called Lucifer, the anointing cherub that covereth within him. Evil was found in the sense that he allowed himself to think the evil thought. And it came out of him. He couldn't help himself. Now you see the state of fallen man when he comes to earth. To lure humanity to sin. Cannot help himself. It means to find, to be present and come forth. Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 16. The wicked desires of his heart cause him to be filled with arrogance and pride, envy and violence. Thou hast sinned, therefore, it says, I will cast thee as a profane out of the mountain of God. There's the first fall of Satan from glory to profanity. From glory to profanity. Will you turn with me to Isaiah, please, chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. And just let your eye run down to verse 12, please. You can read all of this when you go home. Listen, if you, go, if you want to mark these as you go along or do it when you go home, there's five I wills of Satan here. Five I wills. Notice the heart, the change of heart. It's not God anymore. It's not the worship. It's not the reflective glory. It's I will. I will. God won't tell me what to do. I will. Notice verse 12. How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And the Lord says, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Can you see now this one who has fallen? Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 2 says this, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. How easy is it to fall from a place of grace or glory if you want? God has done a good work in you, brother, sister. God is doing a good work with you. You're walking well. You're walking upright according to his word and will until another offer outside of that which God has been given to you, is offered to you, another position outside of that which God has placed you in, or another thought has come to your mind and has come to light from within you, which causes dissension, deception, destruction, to lose even your testimony. To lose that which God has given you and placed you in. So notice this. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Give me another 10 minutes. We'll just try and finish it tonight. We'll go on to something else next week. Now, we haven't time to read this, but this is actually happening. This is actually prophetic of Israel and scattered in the wilderness or in Europe and so on. And this is about Israel had given birth to the, the woman Israel to the child, 
the Lord Jesus Christ before them. Uh, that is from the Judas section. This is about the devil trying to destroy her and him. But notice it's taken us then up into heaven. Verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Notice this war now. Michael is involved, the archangel. Now listen, Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you listen to a word about that? They tell you the word that was with God. Oh, that was the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's really Michael the archangel. Don't you listen to a word about that? Now notice this. Here's this war in heaven. And Satan, the old devil, the old serpent he's called, is cast out. What happens to him? Jesus says, I beheld Satan fall from heaven, didn't he? Notice this. Verse 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell therein. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Why is the devil going mad at this part of time? Why is his angelic, his angelic beings and forces and all these evil spirits, why is Satan himself going mad? Why are we seeing such a, a, a rush and a, a climax of the things that are happening that are anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-gospel, anti-word of God? Why is it? Because he knows he has a short time. And if it were possible, he would even deceive the very elect. If it were possible, he would deceive, deceive the very elect. And while the church in general is sleeping and accepting every sin against the word of God, against the word, The devil is wreaking havoc. All of this wars, sicknesses, all of this that's going on, all of this depravity and sexual immorality, the aborting of little babies, and all of it, all of it, is all because of a fallen world with a prince who still holds them captive. Here's the good news. If they could just hear the gospel, Jesus died and he says, I am come that you might have life. He says, it says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Are you set free? Are you saved? He or she who the Son sets free is free indeed. He or she who the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on, we'll shout it. He who the Son sets free is Free indeed. Free from the guilt of the past. Free indeed. Satan falls from heaven to earth. Here's a couple of things to note as we try and wrap this up. Notice there is no sin in heaven. Thy kingdom come on earth 
the whole to the part. There's no sin in heaven. If God allows the Christ rejecter, the rebellious, the sinner into heaven, if God allows them into his kingdom, then God would be unjust. And he would have to, and I say this with reverence, he would have to apologize to the devil because he kicked him out for sin. So the man and the woman who reject Christ all their life and die and think they're going to go into heaven, they're badly mistaken. They've had their minds blinded lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine into them. That's why he's blinding people. We're all right as we are and we'll do what we like and we live how we like. And if there's a God, he'll let us in. St. Peter, we've heard all our jokes about him. We'll open the party gates and we'll go in dress in our nice white suits and have a party. Delusional! Delusional. They're deluded. They're blinded. Secondly, notice this. In verse 14, Satan drew the third part of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. The stars here are representative of heavenly hosts, the angels of the heavenly hosts. Notice he draws a third part. How many thirds are there in a hole? Can somebody tell me? It's not a hard maz. There's three thirds, isn't there? Who knew that? <laughs> There's a few. Daniel, you knew it. Three thirds. So listen, it's like in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. We find that the, the Syrian army are against the army of Israel. And Elisha is with his, his servant, and he comes along with him, and the Syrian army have gathered all around Elisha and, his, and the servant. And he says, to, he says Sir, you know, Elisha, we're going to die. I'm paraphrasing, we're going to die. Look at all these, this army, we'll never defeat them. And Elisha prays, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16, he says, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Verse 17, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. You know what he sees? He sees the heavens full of the chariots of the angels of God. You know what there was? See, there's one third that was brought down to the earth. Heaven's still got two thirds of the angels in heaven on your side. Never mind, I'm saying this in reverence, angels. Don't be, please be offended at me. We have already got the greatest power of heaven on our side. Since God before us, who then can be against us? Come on, see, there's more for you than there is against you. Third, thirdly, look at the gravity of his fall from the anointed cherub that covereth. He's now called the great dragon, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. The word devil is diabolos. It's where you would get the word for slander, false accuser. Brother, sister, listen, maybe this will help you, me, all of us. See, every time you go to speak wrong about someone and it's false or you don't even know the full truth, or see, every time you go to speak and slander someone, the devil's using your mouth. The devil is using your lips. Overcome him. He was cast out into the earth, Revelation 12 and 9. Revelation 12 and 12, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because his time is short. In Revelation 12, he tells us, it tells us, not only was cast out into the earth, it links us then to Ezekiel 28, when the Lord said, Thou wast in the garden, Eden, the garden of God. 
So not only was he cast out into the earth, we're told where he was brought, where he actually went to. He went to Eden. Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to round this up at this. Genesis chapter 3, now I'll tell you what, you can read it when you go home. But Genesis chapter 3, the Eve sees the tree that it was good to look at. One to make one, some to make one wise. Now there's different ideas. What is the fruit? People say it was an apple. It wasn't an apple. It doesn't say it was an apple. People say it was a literal fruit of a tree. I don't believe it was either. I'll talk about it some other time. I'll get myself into trouble if I go any further. Some people say it was a sexual experience with the serpent. Opened their eyes and so they were naked and they had to cover themselves. All that sort of stuff. Listen, it was the indoctrination of lies in her heart. Has God said? Are you sure? Satan's a defeated foe. Are you sure you have the authority of the word? Are you sure the blood of Jesus paid your debt and not alone? Are you sure? Because when he comes to Christ and and his temptation, if thou be the Son of God, he says, if you are, three times, if you're the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, if thou art the Son of God, as if they put doubt into his heart. The reply should be this. It is written. Not I think, or my husband told me even, or my wife says so. It is written. Three times. The devil flees from him. We're told in Genesis chapter 3 verses 14 and 15, you read, we go home, it's the judgment of God upon the Satan that he would crawl upon his belly. He was upright. I don't believe myself that he was a, actually a serpent, as we would call a serpent, a snake. I believe that was to his nature and character. But he was some sort of beautiful being still. And the idea of going onto his belly means you're cast down yet again under the foot of those who are mine. The serpent, we're told, between the woman's seed and his seed, Genesis 3 and 15, was the promise of the Messiah that he would, that he would strike and bruise the heel of the woman's seed and the woman's seed would bruise his head or crush his head. I notice this as I close. The serpent's wounds... The serpent wounds the heel that will crush him. Notice this. The serpent wounds the heel that will crush him. And the serpent poison, po- serpent's poison, pardon me, is in its head. The poison mind, the false sense of pride, the apostasy, the, the self-righteousness, the religious tendencies, the twisted thinking, the ideology and the theology that was twisted. The first thing he done was got the woman to believe a lie and a falsehood in the word of God. Bringing forth sin and iniquity. The bite of such a serpent is the absolute cause of fatality in the human mind and heart. This potent sinful poison injected through the satanic demonic teeth of deception has brought forth the death penalty upon countless billions of souls. 
But God promised the Redeemer that he would come and take the bite, endure the poison, and bear the penalty. And we find it in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Let's read this. Jesus said of himself, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Numbers 21, read it when you go home. The Israelites are bitten by serpents because of their rebellion and murmuring against God, and they start to die with the serpent's poison that's went into them. And Moses seeks the face of God, and he says, Make a brass serpent, put it upon a pole, lift it up, and walk through the camps of Israel. Listen, two, three million people. He's walking for some time, and it says, All who look on it, he says, Look and live. They'll live. And that's what happened. Now the serpent, although it represents evil, Jesus likens his death in Calvary to the serpent as this Moses lifted up the serpent of, in the wilderness, so also must the Son of Man be lifted up, that is, on the cross, speaking of himself. And even though it represents evil, the idea is this, that the serpent was made of bronze, and bronze represents judgment in the Scripture. So the bronze serpent is that Jesus says, just like the serpent who was, on, was bronze and on that pole, and all who would look would live, all who will look to me. Listen, all who will look to me. He says, I will take the judgment. I will take the bite. I will take the poison. I will take the sin. I will take the wrongdoing. I will take their depravity. I will bear it myself on the cross that all who look to me shall live and have eternal life. That's what he's saying. That the devil is a defeated foe, brother. The devil is a defeated foe, sister. First Peter 2 and 24. 1 Peter 2, 24 speaks of the Lord Jesus who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Here's my last scripture, okay? Thank you for your attention. Those are four falls of Satan. That's where we are today. His head is crushed. Yet he's like a roaring lion running about singing whom he may devour. And those who want to sail alone, they'll find themselves in trouble. We know that. And he will attack. But it's understanding that he can only go as far as your father permits him. Which means it's for your benefit at times. Because you may drift. And he may just call you back in the way in that certain venture. By that means. Turn with me to Revelation 20 while we're there. And this is my last scripture to show you. Your attention's been tremendous. I appreciate it tonight. Revelation 20. Here is, just let's look at verse 2. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is called the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit. Shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. No, till, 
until the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Here's what people don't realize. See, in the kingdom of God on earth, when Christ comes to rule and reign, there's perfect harmony. The, the hold of the part, the law of association will come in its fullness. Satan will be bound. See, after a thousand years, he's going to be loosed again. That doesn't make sense, does it? You know why? Because there's going to be there who are going to be born, and there's going to be there who are going to live, and they're going to be tested. There's going to be war again, tells you. But here's the thing Christ is in every bit of control and still on the throne, still ruining and reigning. Here is the end result. Verse 5, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection, that is, those who are resurrected as coming. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. And they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations that are in the four quarters. Notice this, Satan is loosed again, but notice, let, just let your eye run down a bit here. Verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast, where? Into the lake of fire. Fire and brimstone and the beast and the false prophet are and they shall be tormented night and day forever and ever. Now notice, the devil's in that lake of fire. That's him finished at this point after a thousand year reign. But now notice, this is the great white throne judgment for everyone who's rejected Christ. This is the judgment. Listen, see if you die outside of Christ. I don't believe for one minute you're going to go straight to judgment there. It's here in Revelation 20. It hasn't happened yet. You'll stand before God. Notice what it says. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which was in it. And death in the grave, that is hell, there is the grave delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. Notice, and death and hell, that is the grave, or the region of the dead, the death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Notice how the chapter ends, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's it. That's what the scriptures teach. But here's the thing. Would it be too late for some here? Because there's no second chance. Would it be too late for you? But what about when heaven comes, the whole to the part? What about when heaven comes and fills your soul and saves you? And you're released from your taskmaster who is Satan himself, the devil. You're saved. You'll be in the first resurrection should you die or caught up to meet the Lord in the air at his return. You're saved. You're in the kingdom. You're reigning. You're ruling with him, as the scriptures say. But if you're not saved, and you die without Christ, you'll spend eternity without Christ. And you'll stand at this great white throne judgment to be judged in your sin. Guilty as charged, cast into the lake of fire. 
please don't. If you're not saved, don't leave tonight without knowing Christ as your own personal Savior.